All right. Hey, welcome to uh, Jerusalem, everybody. Uh, Pastor Adam Statmiller. Most of you probably know that because you click from a link that I sent out. But uh, if this was sent to you uh, here in Israel on a trip uh, with a bunch of people from our church, kind of checking it out, kind of the first fruits of a trip that might come back uh, another time. We're kind of looking forward to doing that and just had a phenomenal time. The reason I'm um, kind of recording this is I am uh, met a new friend, uh, Tucker. Tucker, what's your last name? Campbell. Tucker Campbell is a friend of mine that I met. You're 31? Just turned 30, actually. Just turned 30. Just got married as well. Just got married on April 30th, so that would have been about a month ago. Oh, right on. And your wife didn't know about this trip, did yeah, she? Yeah, this was, this was planned before the wedding, so I got a free pass on coming here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's, that's epic. Um, and, you know, one of the things I was praying about is that you know, I'm on a bus tour, and I got to say, dude, I made a. <laughs> I, I told you the story. I, I promised in 1992 I'd never take another bus tour after my last one to Brazil, uh, and I did multiple with my family as a kid. We did a 21 day bus tour of Germany. Did I tell you that a castle? Are you and your family? A castle tour. Wow. Yeah. You know, you know how many castles you need to see as a 15 year old, and I told you then we did the the, the Passion Play at Oberammergau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine hours. Yeah, that was awesome, and all in German. Oh, wow. But I was told there was going to be an elephant, live elephant on stage, and there was, but it wasn't worth nine hours. Not, but not at all. No, not at all. But one of the things I was just praying that God would just lead me to some people that I could connect with. And one of the reasons I connected with um, uh, Tucker is because there's a gentleman on the trip, Dave. Do you know Dave's last name? Dave and Bev? Beverly? He runs TV station. He runs CTN in the Pensacola area, which is like eastern, no, western Florida, but I do not recall their last name, but they're with CTN. Okay, and so he's like the station manager, 33 stations, yeah. but he's also had an injury when he was um, uh, 16 years old. Yeah, he fell and um, when he was uh, mountain, and it wasn't mountain, free climbing. Free climbing, right? Grabbed a root out of a tree that just didn't quite hold and... Yeah, and then he's been in a chair for 40 years, and so I gotta say, don't come to Jerusalem if you're if you're not in shape, uh, this guy is in shape. We 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 uh, did some swimming with him. Matter of fact, you were talking to two of the uh, four charter members of the Galilean Swim Club, um, which we've also. How far out did you go in the? Galilean? I did not make it to the buoy where you guys made it, so right. I'm a lower ranked member. You but are, I'm a part of the club. You are still a charter and member. It's a lifetime membership. Well, so. Dave, so he's just like he's got no flotation or anything. Yeah, and from about. A little above the waist down. No, no yeah, well, from his, he said from the, under his chest, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's a great swimmer, and he swam to the buoy. So I don't know what that yeah. says about you. <laughs> well, it just shows how great a shape he's in. I mean. Right, and yeah, right. And so uh, we swam out there, and it was, it was good. But the reason I got to meet Tucker is because, uh, you know, at the first day of the trip, you know, he needs help back up and on the bus, and you actually just need to pick him up, you know. And uh, the uh, we, we started getting less and less volunteers with, you know, I would say by... Well, we're the only people out of <laughs> 60 that have good backs, which... Uh, yeah, I'll be, yeah, every, every other man on the trip, all of a sudden they have bad backs and shoulders. <laughs> so the backs got increasingly worse as the trip went on. I think we were about 12 hours in the trip before <laughs> there wasn't another strong back. <laughs> But, um, there, yeah, but, you know, I just really appreciated uh, Tucker's heart and was just kind of watching him and, and you know, um, 30-year-old guy and just, we just hit it off right away. Like, it's kind of the same humor and just kind of one of those people you enjoy and Dave as well, um, obviously the man I just told you about. 
and Greg Sirios obviously came uh, on the trip. So those are, you know, I, I connected with a whole bunch of people, Austin and some others, but uh, really connected with Tucker. And uh, and then you came up to me and uh, asked me, what does it take to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, continue on, be a man of God and not fall? We talked about yeah. some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at first I'm just thinking, you know, hey, great young guy. And then, you know, I met your mom the first mm-hmm. day. And she said that you had like a pretty dramatic testimony that you're a prodigal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's kind of kind of start with that, dude. Because um, as the interesting thing is, as we've gotten to know each other, the similarities, similarities of yeah, like you know, I'm 20 years, I'm almost 20 years ahead of you. I'm 49, you're 30, mm-hmm. so I'm 19 years ahead of you. And I was actually uh, I got sober the year you were born. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ended up going to Australia when, right after you got sober. I got mm-hmm. uh, went to Australia right before I got sober. A yeah. um, whole bunch of things. But what was going on in your life? You raised in the church. Raised in the church. Um, had a heart for the Lord uh, all through my youth. It was I, I might not have been your. Uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't perfect by any means, but I wasn't. You know, it was a rule in our house. You're in church every Sunday, and we were a part of the things that the church was doing. So I was I knew Jesus. I knew about Jesus. I knew um, I knew what you were supposed to do and what you weren't supposed to do. But I would say I know I lacked a personal relationship with the Lord through all those years. It was more about just going to a location or being a part of a group of people, but there was no intimacy that I had personally with the Lord. In a way, I was probably living through my parents' um, relationship with the Lord. And That's really funny you say that because the, the first book that I wrote was called Give Your Kids the Keys, and the whole thing was how to raise your kids not to mm-hmm. borrow your faith. So true. And yeah. um, that's the one thing, especially as a pastor, I wanted to have children. I've seen so many pastors' kids that hate the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my daughter actually came to me the other day, and she, she said, you know, Dad, I just... She goes, I really appreciate it that, you know, the way you raised me, that I still love the church. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, borrowing your faith. Cause, so that's another similarity. Yeah. Um, that book's out of print, so I'm not uh, <laughs> not promoting it because I don't think you can even buy it anymore. <laughs> but you wrote it. But, but, but I did write yeah. it, yeah. So a similar yeah, idea again. But probably around the age of seven, 16, really, I kind of went off the deep end um, and wasn't being fulfilled the deep desires of my heart for just pleasure and joy and peace, which are all, you know, godly things. I went to ungodly avenues to fulfill those things. So really like most people, we just want to be happy and enjoy our life. So I thought at 17 that the way I could do that would be to begin to experiment with drugs and alcohol and girls in the life of the party. Um, so I went down that road and, it was, I would say, in Hebrews, you know, it says sin is enjoyable for a season. So I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have fun for a little bit. But oh, yeah. That, that Straight li- up. That little People bit. wouldn't do it. It wasn't good. Exactly. <laughs> but that little bit didn't last long. Um, and it was probably maybe 17 or 18, I was already headed down the wrong road fast and could feel the consequences of it through just, I mean, you can imagine the things that alcohol and drugs do to not only yourself, but the people around you, the decisions you're making and all that. Um, and I then went down that road till I was about 24. So I, that's from, a long run. Cause I about killed myself in three years. I had a heart I, attack. Yeah, it's a miracle to this day that I'm alive. So, um, at about 24, I realized, and you can imagine how addicted you become through, you know, eight, eight years of that lifestyle through alcohol. My, my drug of choice was Xanax. So I got, that was what I got really hooked on, which was just a, 
a, a way to escape reality. You know, if I, if I took enough of that, which you had to take quite a bit of it, then I could escape my present reality, um, which was what it, what it was all about for me. It was just enjoying the night and not having to deal with um, the things I was going through in life, not wanting to process the things that I was going through as a young man growing up, not wanting to connect with people and things like that. So I chose to medicate. Um, and that it was Xanax, but it was also alcohol and, and all different types of drugs. And at 24, our family was going to Nashville, Tennessee, or 25, I think I was. No, 24, excuse me. We were going to Nashville, Tennessee for Christmas. And the night before we were leaving to go to Nashville, I went and had an episode and had too much to drink, didn't know where I was, fell asleep at someone's house and missed the missed the um, plane flight to Christmas with the whole family. And then the family, you know, freaked out. Where's Tucker? Where's he at? And this was the end of a long road. And you said that you had gotten to the point where you didn't even remember a couple of, was it like many, a couple? No, many nights I wouldn't remember. And that's the deal with mixing medication with alcohol. So, cause like, look, I think pills were huge. I remember Valiums like in the seventies yeah. were yeah. huge. But when I was using, it was some psychedelics, right. um, you know, obviously in the inner city you had the crack epidemic and all mm-hmm. that, but it was pretty much Coke and meth. Right. Um, but I didn't know, no one was using Xanax. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, look, I was heavy in the party scene. No one used Xanax. Right. No one was popping pills. No one was doing oxys yeah. and all that stuff. I but the, the medical side of it has kind of come back recently. Obviously. The pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical side. Yeah. Excuse me. The pharmaceutical side of it, um, has become a lot more popular because it's, you know, but by the way, I was prescribed, my medicine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was doctor approved, quote unquote. Yeah. And that's the problem with marijuana these days yeah, as well. Yeah. So you it, you justify it, but that doesn't mean it's right. But I was justified in my actions oh, yeah. because right. And you said that you. How did you first get it prescribed? Did you, did you have low anxiety? I, or? So yeah, I did struggle with anxiety. I was at college at the University of Alabama, and we had a public speaking class, which. You went to the University of Alabama? Yeah. Good football team. Yeah, great football team. They've won a few games recently. <laughs> now, look, I, I don't watch college football. And, and I'm. <laughs> what is the motto for them? It's roll tight. Roll tight, okay? Because I didn't want to say that and have it be like Georgia or something yeah. and like insult you, okay? Yeah, you'd lose some listeners. I'd lose. <laughs> That's for sure. It's not like college football, sorry. Yeah. Um, so. You were prescribed that. Prescribed that. For anxiety. Yeah. And it, I would. I mean, I did need it for that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that was the reason to get it. And then, did that, you know? Did you know what it was once you first got it? Yeah, because we had experimented with it, so we knew. I knew what I was oh, okay. wanting. So it was the, the it, it was wrong from the get go. But I knew how to get it. Anybody can do that. Yeah, exactly. it's not hard, right? So that opened the door to just a bunch of things that were not good for my life. And uh, and you said that there was one instance. Where like you were getting a small prescription because I said like how did you get as much as you needed? Yeah, and you said you went in one time. Yeah, it started with thirty, um, and then I went in not a few months later, and I still to this day don't know how it happened, but it it the the prescription tripled, so I didn't stand a chance once that happened. So I had triple what you needed, so I instantly got hooked after that. So that was interesting because and I I believe this is the enemy as well because the first time I I did meth. Uh, so yeah, that was a room service. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, same thing happened to me is the first time, second time I used it, um, I met a guy who was a dealer, an old friend of mine that I'd known from high school, from youth group, and he had been dealing. And then 
he said, I need to, like, within a, he gave me a bunch, and I remember I did it, and the, I had never really done, like, a proper portion, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking to myself, this is what I want for my life. Yeah. He was looking for a place to stay, and I said, you pay me triple, I think I told you this, triple rent mm-hmm. in meth, and I'll let you live in my apartment, which was being paid for by my parents. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, it was, like, the same thing. Like, it was, you go from poverty of not knowing how to get drugs or where to, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, more than I needed for like two months at a time, you know. And so, but it's just, I just feel like it's the, the enemy has a plan mm-hmm. and he's very good at executing it if we're open to it. Yeah. The suggestion. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then, in the same with your situation, you don't stand much of a chance once you have access to it all. And then when you're in that, it's, it was similar ages. You were 19 when you got out of it. And then I was right. around that same age of. You know, those are not the easiest years, but those are searching years where you're trying to find out who you are, um, what you want in life, what you want to do in life. And that, that can be, you can be vulnerable in those those periods of your life when you don't really, you know, know which direction you're going. And that's when you'll really get hit hard. Um, especially, I mean, for me, I was looking for pleasure, which is a godly desire, as I said earlier. Right. We're, godly, we're meant, we're meant, we're meant to go after pleasure. We're meant to go after pleasure. Yeah. And the enemy will then throw every form of pleasure, what we think is pleasure, in front of you. Um, when I, I, one thing's so true, I am, God has pleased me beyond my wildest dreams now that I have awakened to his path and doing things his way. I can't right. stress enough how, it, I said it was, it was fun for a little bit, but man, that little bit was very little. It was a you know, just well, not because you're he- you were heavy throttle. Exactly. You were, yeah, <laughs> I'm a heavy throttle. Yeah, guy. I, I mean, I think there's people that could have done my path and, and well, I still, I know people right now. I know, I know 55 year old people that are still doing it and mm-hmm. they're just like kind of, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but I mean, if I was, I was, I could kill myself in 24 months. I mean, there's amount of times where you, you as well, you said that, you know, cause Xanax and alcohol, you, you not wake up. Right. Yeah. You can, you can go off the deep end really quick with that, but right. You know, once I got on the right path, which I, to pick back up with the story, I was 25. I missed the, missed the plane flight to Christmas. And then I had actually gotten in a car wreck that night as well and got back in my car and drove the car home. But I didn't remember getting in the car wreck. And it kind of dawned on me, I'm either going to kill myself or kill somebody. So I've got to, this has got to stop. And that was the, the final right. straw in a, in a bunch of just instances like that. But I realized then you know, my family was looking for me, you know, and, and I, it just dawned on me. I go, okay, I've got to do something. And in that moment, I was still intoxicated, but I said, my dad sent me a text message that Christmas morning after I'd missed the flight to Tennessee. I was in Texas, um, where we're from, and I was by myself Christmas. And my dad texts me a number and goes, hey, if you ever want help, call this guy. And it was a Christian rehabilitation center, which is out somewhere in Texas. And I called that. I, I just something in me just rose up, and I just called the number. I didn't even really know what I yeah, was doing, man. but I just rose up. Called, I, love that. I just called it, and the guy answered, and he said, "You know, hey, this is Robert, and uh, how can I help you?" And I said, "Hey, I'm a uh, Earl, King, you know, I'm Earl's son, and I'm on drugs, and I need to get off." And he goes, "Okay, well, it's Christmas morning. Let me call you back next week, and we'll get, we'll, we'll help you out." And I go. Because I knew me, you know, how as an addict, you try to quit. So yeah, I knew yeah. this, I knew this window, window of opportunity. And window. I said, you've got 10 minutes to let me come to your rehabilitation center or I'm done. And he goes, all right, I'll meet you there right now. So I got in the car, he got wow. in the car and I met him there. And then 
that was really the beginning, the end of me in the beginning of the journey with the Lord. And I love it because I finally came to an end of myself, which is the, it's the answer. Once you, I tried every, every way I could try. I tried it my way. I tried to please myself. I tried to, I, I thought traveling would fulfill me. I did all the travel. Oh yeah. Do. I've been I thought, miserable uh, places uh, in the I, world. I, I, <laughs> I, thought girl, I thought girls could do it. So I tried girls. I thought drugs could do it. So I, I'd gotten to that point and you don't have to do this, but right. this is the way I chose to do it. I tried every avenue of pleasure and I realized none of it works. And then I came to the point where I said, okay, God, I don't know how to fulfill myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I need keyword. I need your help. And in that Mm. moment of, it was, it was my form of surrender saying, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you. And in, in that moment, which that prayer that I just kind of prayed, I prayed that in the rehab center. Um, that's when God showed up in my life. That the power of surrender is is, is unmatched. If you can give up on your ways, your plans, your, your desires and say, Lord, I want to, I want to chase you and do it your way. He will far outseed your wildest dreams and imaginations. He'll bring in, he'll bring in more pleasure than you could imagine. He'll bring in more prosperity than you could imagine. He'll bring in, he'll, he, he will fulfill everything that I was trying to fulfill on my own. So that was the journey, um, of really a rough road of addiction that ended so easy. And some, everyone's road is different, but my road of being addicted really ended in a very simple way because, and I would say, well, you go, well, how did it end? I go surrender. I just finally surrendered. And it took me a while to get to that point. But once I surrendered my life to the Lord in a real way, um, then he took over and then he began to order my steps and he began to open Mm. the right doors and close the wrong doors. Mm. And I'm far from perfect. I've made many mistakes since then, but I'm now 30. And that was, so that was about six years ago. And I would say my life is more filled with pleasure than I could ever imagine. He's, he's open doors of opportunity for me to get to, to fulfill the things that he put in my heart. He's brought me an incredible why. I mean, he is, he has blessed my socks off. Like he said he would, it just took, would you give up? Right. Finally, Tucker, will you give up? And when I did life really began. So, I'm the same way. I actually lead with that whole model. Mm. Finish your thought. You're going to say no, no, no. That's it. Go ahead. No, I. My whole leadership model is like I was telling you. Yeah. You know, that yeah. I, I'm not going to fight the church. Yeah. I'm not going to fight the people. Mm. I'm not. You know. You want me to go? I'm out. I'll yes. tap out. I mean, I'll, I'll fight for righteousness. And of there's been some things where there's if there's an injustice, uh, and you know, the Lord has to tell me I'm I'm I'll go to war. I'm not. I mean, and I I want to be surrounded by men and women who are warriors. You know, and all that, but. Uh, you know, I just constantly surrender mm. and, uh, I mean, surrender, uh, and asking people forgiveness and is, is a powerful weapon mm. and just, and it's a, it's a form of faith. Surrender is faith. Oh, wow. Big time. It's straight up faith. And there's, mm. you know, you know, like I keep saying, you know, the church has been here for 2000 years yeah. without us. It doesn't need me. It doesn't need you. Exactly. Um, it doesn't need my podcast, exactly. <laughs> you know, Amen. my platform mm. and all this stuff, but yeah, I love what you said that Ephesians three twenty two is God gives you ever more than you can hope, dream, mm. or imagine. You know, He's beyond our imaginations, and just sitting along for the ride. Yes. I, look, I, so I want to jump to the second part. First part I want to talk about was um, the surrender and the addiction, because I think there's a lot of people that listen that either have prodigal kids or yes. you know, you have a praying mom. Yeah. I got a praying mom, and they prayed us from the gates of hell. Right. 
Uh, but then now the second part is I come up to Tucker and I'm thinking, you know, just, I'm just I, a couple days later, I was just, you know, we've been, we've been carrying Dave around the, the Engedi desert. You know what I mean? Like the, like the Israelites carrying <laughs> the Torah, <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. And look, Dave is a man. Dave is a goer, man. I got, man, that guy can, he doesn't, you're surprised he even needs any help. Um, but he's, yeah, he's amazing, but we've been carrying him and, uh, it was hot. It was hot. We we have stories about one fourteen, hundred and fourteen degrees at the Dead Sea, which we almost died there. I think you well, two people did die in the yeah, last four days. Right, you're right. I got to say, dude, the, the amount of of <laughs> dude, uh, really unhealthy people who show up in Israel and think that they can handle hundred degree desert. Oh man, yeah, it's the desert. So I'll be talking about that in my next sermon series, which I'll be no, uh, which I will be talking about. But um, so I ask you what you did for a living, and I'm thinking. You know, Taco Bell employee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> whatever, I, finance or whatever. Um, and you said, what? I do. So we do crusades overseas. We focus on India and Africa, and kind of I explained to you, you know, the, yeah. the ministry we're in, which is going into the far outreached villages that don't get a lot of, uh, you know, foreign help and. We go out, we preach the gospel, we love on the people, we help with humanitarian things where we can, and we um, we go and assist churches and, and just spread the gospel, spread the love of Jesus, have a good time. So you're running around like the jungles of Africa. Yes. What, what what countries do you go to? So uh, most of our work has been in India, yeah, which that's where we first started, and I'll be going back there in October, um, five hours south of Hyderabad, so it's down by the water, so we do a lot of work in that area, and then... We do a lot of work in Kenya as well, okay. about two hours away from Nairobi in a town called Moranga County. And you just go from city to city? Village to village. Village to village. A more the bush taxi? Yeah, we do. You ever ride on the top of a bush taxi? Well, no. So I've got, thank God I've got churches there and teams there that kind of organize it. So okay. I'm not solo in the sense of I don't just get dropped off into a... So you're a working with local churches, yeah, local I'm, people. Yeah, because of course our, our main mission is to preach the love of God and, and show people Jesus. So after that requires follow-up and, and like work that you how, do. How'd you get called? I mean, come on. You're, what, what, you're, how'd you get called? Yeah, in all honesty, I, I mean, 25, just addicted to drugs, never, no, there's no ministry in my family, there's no preachers in, that I know of, no, you know, just not in it. Uh, my mom and dad loved the Lord, but there was no ministry, and um, as I, we, we just got back from the Western Wall, and me and Adam had a good time to walk and talk, and I was explaining to him, uh, it was through just people praying for me and, and words of encouragement. People said, hey man, you know, I believe you're called to preach the gospel. And I said, well, if that's true, then God will open the door for it. I'm not going to lift a finger, not in the sense of laziness and idleness. I, I became a hungry for the word. I began to devour the word while I moved to Australia to recover from my addiction. So I was doing the inner work right. that the Lord, but as far as you're not gonna shaking hands and trying to meet and do all that. Oh I gosh. said, Lord, ain't doing it. So if this is really you, if you've called me to preach the gospel, um, you're gonna have to to split the Red Sea, so to say. Right. And this, I meant that, that. Okay. So learning that lesson early, that mm-hmm. is not something. Uh, and this is why I think I moved into anxiety and and, wow. and all the things because I was setting myself up for it for years. First of all, you know, with I think some of my uh, stuff going back to my family of origin, having to prove myself, things of that nature. Mm. But then getting in the church, 
um, trying to prove myself, thinking, you know, whatever. And people, the church just loves to tell you how awesome you are yeah. or how much you suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what God has for you mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. And so you start building this imaginary kingdom mm-hmm. in your mind. Wow. And um, the thing that you said that I think that people need to learn all the time, because I get so much of the pastors of like, you know, they're just, they're so far out ahead of God and they're doing everything they can to build their platform and to make, and, and fearful that if they don't do this or that, they're going to lose. I feel like as long as you're obedient, I mean, you, you cannot outrun God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll overtake you Amen. God's righteousness. Amen. And, um, you know, and so you were telling me that story and I just, I think that that is a great word of just saying, Lord, if it's supposed to happen, I'm available. Right. Keep praying into do the spiritual work, right. you do the back end work. And I'm going to sit here in the back row until you call me up. Amen. What was the thing that called you up? Yeah. And that's exactly what the Lord did. So it was probably three years after that had been revealed to me. And, and the Lord is so gracious when you don't know, when you're in a season of maybe not knowing if you like you said, if you'll just sit back, relax and rest, he will send the right people across your path to point you in the right direction. Cause I, I my spiritual meter was at zero. I'm in rehab. I have no idea. You know, so he, he, <laughs> yeah. I, my hearing was not at, at its highest level. So he sent people across my path, which prayed with me and, and, you know, encouraged me and said, Hey, this is just what I see in your life. And then, you know, obviously we're not led. We're not, we don't make decisions off what someone says or, or someone has a word for you or whatever it may be, but you do, you tuck that away. You pray about it and you see what right, the right. Lord it has to confirm with your spirit. Exactly. So in that, that process, so I said, Lord, if, if that's you, um, I will, will wait, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you open the door. And that was about a three year process where, um, you know, a lot of people in that season can get frustrated or anxious or start knocking on doors they shouldn't be knocking on. And I would say, right, I was so thankful that I was delivered from drugs. I just, to be sober, it was like I was in heaven already. So I was so captivated and in a love relationship those three years that I kind of had forgotten right. about this, you know, what are you supposed to do? What's You're not your, looking for the next thing. Yeah, what's your, de- you know, how about just destiny, fall in love with Jesus? Dude, bro, bro. This is like what I say to the congregation all the time. Like this is one of my major points of like, there's this whole center of God's will Mm -hmm. theology that goes around that if you can find the center of God's will, then you will have peace, hope, joy, contentment, all the things Jesus promised you for free through the blood of of the cross. And so, um, yeah, like there's just, I meet so many, especially young people that are, that are just tied into this chase for this perfect nirvana with right. God. And they've got, you know, not that hey, there is obedience, mm-hmm. but you're right. It, the, the, it's about falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. And that, if you're going through that right now, if you're a person seeking, what do I do next? Where am I supposed to go next? The, the Lord is big enough to open the right door. The Lord is big enough yeah. to, to get you where you need to go. So he's asked you to focus on him. Right. Seek first him and everything else is going to be added to you. If you'll just... And, and that's, it's supposed to be fun and relaxing. Yeah, yeah, enjoying. And, and, that, enjoy, right. and that is fun and relaxing. If you just sit right. back and, and your job, and I, by the grace of God, I didn't know any of this, but it was just the leading of my spirit. Your job is to fall in love with Jesus. That's your right. job. That's, that's your calling. That's, the calling. that's your destiny. And then he will bring the right people upon your path to get you into ministry. Your first ministry is unto the Lord. Right. And right, then right. you minister to people. People but, get that mixed up though, don't yeah. they? Because they think that doing the work of the kingdom exactly. is, is the, the, the work of the Lord. Right. And if you will minister unto the Lord, 
he, the whole point right. is, is, is as we behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we're transformed into that same image. So if you'll just behold him, fall in love with him, he'll change you. He'll prepare you. Right. He'll set you on the right path. Right. And, and people even think, well, you know, you, you're preaching laziness or saying don't be. That's the furthest thing from it. If you do, if you'll get captivated with Jesus, if you'll fall in love with Jesus, you'll outwork Everyone. Oh, yeah, well, because he's, he, he, right. he will do it. This is you. my whole staff. And you've met Miss Kim uh, or Kim, the mm-hmm. um, um, children's minister. But like on my whole staff, I have to I have to make them stop working. For instance, Mrs. Kim, uh-huh. where we call her Miss Kim because she's a children's minister. Um, she's flying home tonight and are at 3 a.m. They have to get up and they have to be at the airport at seven for the flight. It's going to be a 24 hour flight home. She gets in at 11 p.m. and told me she's going to be at church on Sunday morning. She goes, and you're going to be there preaching. I said, no, I'm taking another week yeah. off. I'm not going to work tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I actually told her on the bus, I'm like, why don't you call and tell our friend to take another you know, day, another Sunday. The church is going to survive without you. It's been there 100 years without mm-hmm. you. But this whole idea of like, I'm just surrounded by grinders and I love, and I'm a grinder. Yeah. But the, you know, um, you know, I'll, we'll, I think pretty much everybody on my staff will die at the plow. Mm. And so the, the thing that we've been trying to build in this rest culture yes. and the faith culture mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the words I had on this trip was when I was getting a little stress. I'm like, the Lord's like, you don't need to run the church from Jerusalem, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> just let it go. And, uh, that's a really good word. Yeah, and operating out of that, if you're, if you're. If you're getting filled and concentrating on your love for the Lord, you won't burn out. But it, once you push out of that, you'll get into burnout, and that's what we see a lot. You of can us. never burn out. Follow the Spirit will never lead you to burn out. Exactly. Ever. So, so that was the approach I was taking, and I. And I this is all hindsight. So now I know this, but in the in the time when I was in Australia, recovering from my addiction, working, um, just learning how to really live again. Um, wow. My focus was. I just became captivated to Jesus, and you might be listening and go, "Well, how do you do that?" Just ask Him. Say, "Lord, I." I yeah, there's I'm, no, there's no, there's, there's, there's no prescription. <laughs> just, Lord, how do I fall in love with you? Want you've it. got to, you've got to light my heart on fire to want you, because I, I didn't make that happen. The Lord, the Lord will touch your heart. So you just ask Him. It's that simple. Ask Him, and over time, you'll you'll find yourself captivated with Him. So in the process of falling in love with Him, um. I went to South Africa to go to a conference, and at that conference, long story short, I met um, a pastor from India who he didn't know me or anything, but he felt like the Lord told him to invite me to India to do 18 crusades. And I I, I didn't... But you said when you were in Africa that okay, God yeah. told you to what? Okay, so I get there, and I've got about two weeks there. It's a long conference, and there... It's in a, it's in South Africa, Johannesburg, and I stay in like a hostel. So okay, it's a pretty you know, yeah. I hate seeing it. Yeah, it's not. It's not <laughs> a bunch of Germans like your, myself yeah, running around drunk. It's your like twenty eight year old place to stay in. Yeah, Africa. yeah, so yeah. It was yeah, not, yeah. not the greatest place to say the least. But there was a room full of um, handicapped people there. One guy, um, Herschel, who was actually shot in a game. There's bad game yeah, sure. going on in Johannesburg. He was shot. Another Mzwandile who was leaving school and got a gang, took his cell phone, and they stabbed him. And these are all paralyzed people. They can't walk. And the Lord directed me to serve them. So I began to... That's why you're carrying Dave. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. (laughs) You know, but I began to serve them. I knew immediately, like within, within, oh my gosh, two times of us there, I'm like, 
okay, I'm that guy's wingman. Yeah, yeah. That we're, we're going to work together. Yeah, well, <laughs> my biggest breakthroughs in life have come through service, which oh, yeah. is oddly enough. But yeah, I've loved serving on. It's been it's been fun oh, serving on this trip. It's been so incredible. I'm yeah. like I, I wouldn't have had any other way. So you're serving. You just you make a decision to serve serve these, these guys, and it's a. You know, there's three, there's actually three of them. There's one other guy who I'm trying to recall his name, but he was riding a horse and fell off. So anyway. I was going to say, I thought he was riding a horse at the conference because that's no. pretty cool. <laughs> no, like if you ride a horse around a conference, you're saying that's a statement. Yeah. You're saying medieval, something. <laughs> medieval I'm going medieval on you. So I served them for it was close to two weeks. And this is, you know, from taking them to the shower to emptying out the, the urine buckets to. I love it. It, it, it was, it was I mean, a dude, full, dude, there's so much. Hang on. I'm sorry, dude. One of the things I always say to my staff is if you can't clean the toilets, you shouldn't be on stage. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're just janitors here. And um, that's really funny because it, 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 yeah, it goes back to, I mean, it's a different story. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, I love it. We got, a lot of, we got a lot of connections. So I go through that. Well, there's a pastor from India at that same hostel just observing. So you just watching just your watching life. Just watch, watching days. the translation yeah, so of the Bible of your life. There's always someone watching you, as you know. So he, he he came midway through, and he just said, and "What's just? It's just that's why I just trust God because God will open the doors." He didn't even. I mean, I had never up to that point held any crusade, any sermon, anything, nothing. Right. So he, he does not know that I have any. Um, that that's my get. He just felt like the Lord led him to. He didn't know that you'd gotten that word. No, he didn't know about the calling. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He said, "Will you come to India and do crusades?" And I'm thinking, everything within me is thinking. He said, "Will you come do 18 crusades?" And I'm thinking, and I'll pay for it. He says, "I'll pay for everything." And I'm thinking, "Oh God, there's no way. I, I don't. I ain't even, can't even preach one sermon, let alone 18 sermons." But I knew <laughs> that this was it because the Lord had been. You know, the Lord had showed me this way. So I just. I didn't speak out of my head. I spoke out of my, my heart, and I said, yes, I'll be there. Immediately. Immediately. So, but, but it wasn't immediate because it goes back to the, oh, the, yeah. the, the Xanax rehabilitation. Exactly. This is the climb. You know, this is, this is it, the, one of the pinnacles this of your is life. It, yeah. And wow. two weeks later, I'm in India, and we're going. Two around. weeks later. Two weeks later. I spent the next two weeks in London preparing. So I thought preparing as much as I could for right. 18 um, which you just a side note, you can't prepare you. It's a, it, your life is a preparation of what you teach. Your life is a mm. preparation. Oh, of what that's you good, dude. So I had mistakenly, and if you're a young preacher out there, tried to prepare messages. You don't prepare messages. You live your life and then you preach out of the overflow. But, um, then the Lord, you know, I, I just to say the first crusade, it was the message that I prepared and it was dead and no fire. It just, it wasn't, it, but then I realized this isn't going to work. And I began to preach out of the overflow out of this, out of what the spirit was doing, yeah, but using the word of God, using the word of God, of course, you know, scripture and, and preaching the word and teaching and, and all that. And I've seen the videos of it, dude, up on stage yeah, surrounded by people like, yeah, it's great. And you, I've got all the videos on agenda Jesus.com. So you can see our, I was going to ask people if they want to like 2018 trip, 2019 trip, but and then the rest was history after that. So back to the whole point of that is you don't, don't create Ishmael's in your life. Don't go knocking down doors that don't need to be knocked down. Don't get in the flesh and make right. the promises of God happen. If you'll just sit back, enjoy the ride, focus on your relationship with the Lord. If he can take me to South Africa, a pastor from India to South right, Africa, right, 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 staying right. at the same hotel yeah. and then 
pay for eight. I mean, he can do anything. You know, right. he, he's the God of the impossible. So he he watched over his word and performed it in my life completely. And I have, uh, I'm just so thankful that God gave me that revelation of your destiny, your calling, what you're meant to do. He's gonna, he's gonna open the doors. Right. He's right. gonna make a way. Yeah, you yeah, know? He's, yeah. He's already opened. The, uh, yeah, I just. Uh, you don't have to wear yourself. You know, my burden is easy. My, my yoke is easy. Smart. My burden is light. Yeah. The, the the thing that I I literally, I mean, look, we haven't been tested. Although I, I have been tested. That's actually not true because I went to Australia. We'd always wanted to go to Australia for 16 years. I had a burden to go to Australia. I went to Australia. For a year in 2004, 2005, wanted to plant a church. God didn't have me plant a church. Um, ended up being a janitor at a, and I worked for Christian Surfers, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and ended up being a janitor at this Christian camp. And kids were, um, you know, they just messed the camp up. And then I'd show up and I'd clean the camp. And they never know who, could, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like the janitor for Jesus, you know. And I was sitting there thinking the whole time, you know, I came here thinking I'm going to win the continent for right. Christ and this whole thing. And now I end up being a janitor. Then, you know, about 10 months into the trip, my wife tells me, you know, our relationship ain't working. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talked about some some things that have changed. You know, you were asked about that story. And I won't go into the whole story. But uh, just being willing to immediately, like, probably within a few days like because there's a look on women's faces when they're done they're done there's a dead look and I've seen it multiple times in the counseling room um, that my wife had when they have it's not even anger they're not angry anymore they're not anything it's just dead and it's dead it's the weirdest thing and when I see it on a woman's face I've never seen it in a man but when I see it on a woman's face I know it. I've seen it probably 10-15 times in counseling um but just immediately to give that up, that was probably one of the, you know, that idea of that surrender yeah. and, you know, um, now going, you know, back to where we are now that God has given me, you know, more than I ever could have asked for. It's, you know, it's not more, not about me, but this whole understanding of what you're talking about, of being willing to this idea of surrender and yeah. then those open doors and the doors that he's opened now. But the, the thing I was going to say is I, I'm pretty sure, like I said, I've been tested I think I could go back to being the janitor of our church mm-hmm. and be just as happy. <laughs> Although I would miss preaching the word. Yeah. I think one of my things I keep thinking about on this trip as I get ready for the David and Bathsheba series is I, I never want to do anything in my life that would, would um, uh, de, um, what do you call it, commission or you know, lose the ability to preach God's word. Yeah. I've seen guys keep preaching it, but after a major fall or whatever, but mm-hmm. the, I love preaching. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so you did 18 in how many days? It was less than 18 days. So we did some day meetings and some night meetings. So it was, how'd you feel after that trip? Well, I mean, of course, a fulfillment of the promise was exhilarating and just, I was in awe of what the Lord had done and get sick. Uh, I actually did not on the that first trip. trip. Yeah. yeah. I, um, God stayed pretty healthy heading out into the villages, but there's been some dehydration and some just food. But for the main part, I've stayed pretty, pretty good. And people uh, coming to Christ? Oh, of course, yeah. That's the main mission we do. We're we're preaching the gospel and then doing however the flow of the service is, but we're somehow offering an opportunity for people to accept the Lord and and, and follow up with the local churches. Yeah, and we planted a few churches out of these meetings, so. Our, our strategy in Africa is India, it's more of a, a one night in a village and we have to get out to the next one because the Hindus and the government there don't 
you can't set up for a multi-night deal or you'll you'll build a crowd that is not a nice crowd. Really? So, uh, so in Hindu... So there's some threat. Yeah, threat, of course. we got to preach the gospel and get out. So one night, sometimes two nights in India. But in Africa, um, we will set up for... Like, I'll be in Ghana at the end of July, so next month. We'll do one, we'll do five nights in one village, and then we'll plan it. We'll we'll bring a pastor with us who's a new up and coming pastor, and he'll plan a church after we do the meeting. So we can, we we try to get wow. we do, we get people saved. We try to get lead people to the Lord, but um, we also try to. This doesn't happen in every village we go to, but we do plan a church after to give the believers in those villages because you got to remember the areas we're going to it's not like everyone can hop in the car and drive right 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 no I, yeah you know, so that. they've got to they've got to have a place where they can meet and grow spiritually so um and god's been good to surround me with men of character and purity that are in these nations who have the team right and the the you know the it's a group of it's obviously to set up a stage and and meetings and advertisement and all that it takes a large team so god's introduced me to the right people to where i can come in and we can support them (laughs) ultimately i'm coming to serve them of course i'm coming under their covering when i get there and just being a benefit by preaching the word and and supplying the things they need that the clothes the food the the uh all that type of stuff um but yeah, ultimately I come up under them and they've got the team and the manpower and the equipment and all that type of stuff. I love that that, that the uh, the locals are your covering, mm-hmm. that you're, they've invited you, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to, you know, just kind of the American way of pioneering sometimes nah, without yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's way better. So if people want to support you and because, uh, or your ministry, they want to know more about it. Yeah. Agenda, we, Agenda Jesus is dot, the name. Dot com. Dot com is the website. And... Um, it's a new website, so it's just pretty basic. But we do have the the ministry videos, which are just a couple minutes. Got some pictures of the things we've done, and then a little bit about it, and our dates for our upcoming trips through the rest of the. Do you year. take people with you? We have. Okay. Wow. Um, we've taken. Yeah, I've taken a couple people. Uh, we're still kind of figuring all that out. Figuring all that out yeah. in the areas we go to. It's not always. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get. Uh, it's like David said to, was it uh, one of the guys, hey, don't come with me. You'd be a burden to me. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> he says, go back in and right. and do this. So so as we grow and, and start touching more people, we're getting into maybe a little more uh, accessibility for, yeah, for people. better areas where a larger yeah, group. Yeah, can come, yeah. Whereas but now, you're, 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 you're hacking through the jungle with a machete right now, right now dude. We're, we're out there. <laughs> with the machete. Yes, exactly. All right. So, well, hey, dude. Thanks, man, for that. I, I hope, uh, you know, blessed out on the ministry. I'm, I'm glad our friendship, you're out to California. The Galilean yes. Swim Club is going to have a meeting soon. out here. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, come out soon. I'll introduce you to the people and have you preach at my church. Cool. So, yeah, guys, um, hey, check it out. Uh, this is Straight Up Evangelist. I've spent, you know, almost two weeks now watching Tucker's Life and and um, just lots of personal conversations. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm giving you the thumbs up vouch that this guy is legit. And um, man, if you have a heart for evangelism in Africa and India and all that, get a hold of him, support him, pull your wallet out, do whatever it takes, and uh, you'll see him back at home at church. All right, love you guys. Bye bye.